Uh, well, we are going to continue in the series uh, that we are in right now as we have been walking through the book of John and looking at seven I am statements of Jesus in the series, Jesus in his own words. As we've been looking, Jesus is describing himself. He's reminding us of who he is. And as a result of knowing who he is, it clarifies how we need to respond to him. And so if you missed last Sunday's message, I would encourage you to go back and watch it. How I many of you were, were encouraged by Micah's message last Sunday? It was just a powerful word, and I would encourage you to go back, watch that message, listen to that message if you miss out on that. Uh, but today we're going to dig into the sixth I am statement of Jesus. Uh, and in this passage, Jesus is going to get confrontational with our culture, okay? Uh, what he has to say contradicts the message that students, you're going to hear this at school, he contradicts that message. Adults, you're going to hear this in the media. He's going to contradict that message. He's going to contradict the message that culture at large is trying to share with us. And so I believe this is a critical message for us that every single one of us needs to hear. And so if you've got your Bibles, would you turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, beginning in verse number 1. And if you would, would you stand with me across the room as we're going to read our text together this morning? If you're here for the very first time, this is just something we do. It's our tradition around here to say, God, we honor your words more than my words, all right? John chapter 14, beginning of verse 1. This is Jesus speaking, all right? Jesus' words. Do not let your hearts be troubled. That's a good word for us already. <laughs> do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so... Would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Father, we thank you for your words today. God, I pray that you would speak to us, Lord. I pray that uh, this message that is so in conflict with what the world is telling us, Lord, I pray that we would have ears to actually hear it, but more than hear it, we would receive it, and it would actually affect us in some way. We pray that, and we ask that in the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. amen. You can be seated. Uh, I'm 41, uh, which means I learned to drive well before there were smartphones. How many, how many of the same thing, right? You learned to drive, right? So those of us who learned before smartphones, uh, we prided ourselves on knowing how to get places without needing directions. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you don't need to ask. How many out there would pride yourself? You're like, I, I'm good with directions. Like, that's me. I'm actually pretty good with directions. There's some of you. How many of you are married to someone who thinks they're good at directions? Anybody out there? Put your hand down, Amber. I did not like that. Okay, uh, how many of you would just, you're just honest, you're like, you're horrible at directions, you use GPS to get to Target, okay? Right? Okay, exactly, all right. Uh, this happened uh, a few years ago, uh, I shared this story a couple years ago, but um, our family, we had an opportunity to go to Colorado, super fun, we get to go to Colorado, and we had some friends who had a place in Colorado, and we got to stay there for a few days, and it was great, we're up in the mountains, it was gorgeous, it was beautiful, and uh, we had heard that there was this place where you could kind of go and visit this town, and it was really fun. It was like, this is going to be great, and there was like some hiking around there. So we went, and there's this cool opportunity where you go, you get to go on one of those big like alpine things, like the ski lift kind of thing, where you all get in. We got to go on this alpine lift, and you get to go up to the top of the mountain, and then you go across, it was like a half mile 
uh, walk or a mile journey across, and then you go to another alpine thing that takes you to the bottom of the hill, and there was this little town there. You get to eat, have all this fun. Like, this is going to be great. Let's go do this with the kids. So we go, and we get on the little ride. You go up to the top of the mountain. We get to the top of the mountain. It was absolutely gorgeous. Here's a picture of my family. We're at the top. I mean, it was just beautiful back there. The kids were little, little D. She's only three years old. Asher was five. Levi was seven at the time. And so it was real fun. So we do that. And now it's like, okay, now we have our little, you know, half mile to a mile journey over to the other one before we get to go down. And so we begin the journey, and I start walking there, and, and there weren't really signs for directions, and so we just kind of start walking for a little while, and I realize we get like, you know, five minutes, I'm like, we're going the wrong way. We turn around, we go back, let's try that again. Okay, here, I, I think this is the path. So we start walking down the path. And uh, we're going on the path, and again, there weren't any signs, and I was struggling to like stay on this. I'm like, no, I, we got to go that way. I know we have to go that way. We'll figure it out. But the, we start walking for like 10 15 minutes, 20 minutes. We get like 30 minutes down, and I'm like, I'm a little concerned here because I'm not seeing where we're supposed to be going, you know, and we've got little kids. Like, they're, they're not doing this. And, uh, you know, so Diella, she's getting tired, you know, so immediately I put D up on, on my shoulders, you know, because she's only three years old, so I'm walking D. Well, the 30 minutes, oh. <laughs> D, you know, so the 30 minutes turns into 60 minutes, turns into an hour and a half, turns into two hours, and we still cannot find where we're supposed to be going. And at this point, it's, Amber's like, it's all my fault. Yes, thank you, Amber. <laughs> but we're walking. We have no idea where we're going. And remember, we thought this was going to be just a little walk. I have no water. We have no food. And now the kid are, kids are starting to get a little whiny about this. You ever been in one of these? Like, what are we going to do here? You know? Still can't find it. I'm like, I know it's that way. So we're, we're trying to find it. The two hours turns into two and a half hours, turns into three hours, turns into three and a half hours, and we still can't find where we're going. Finally, I look down the mountain, and I spot the town. I said, forget the dumb alpine thing. And we, I'm like, we're not even going, we're going straight down the hill. We just walked straight down the hill until we found, the, you know. And after a walk like that, you know what I'm saying? There's one thing that makes everything better in life. What is it? Ice cream, exactly. So I fed the chip. We bought ice cream. The kids were totally fine. They far, forgot about it. Not a big deal, okay? But you have those moments in life where you're like, I need some directions. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here in this passage. You see, we just read the little passage. He's like, my father got this house with many rooms. If not so, would I have told you that? He's like, I'm preparing a place for you, right? I've, I've, I've got all this stuff for you. He says, I'm going to come back for you. And, uh, and I love it because Thomas asked the question that probably everybody else was thinking, like, what are you talking about, Jesus? You're talking about rooms, and you're talking about houses, and then you're going to leave, and then you're going to come back, and you're going to take us there. Like, we have no idea what you're talking about, Jesus. You ever have that moment when somebody's talking, like, I don't even know what you're saying right now. And then Jesus makes this bold statement where he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And it's as if Jesus is telling Thomas, I'll give you the directions. I'm it. It's me. You want to know where to go? You, don't know, you, you want some guidance here? It's me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But to understand the gravity of that, we've got to dig into this for a moment. So we're going to break down these three statements because what Jesus is saying, saying is massive. It's extreme, particularly in our culture. This is an extreme message for us. And so Jesus makes these three statements about himself, and each clarifies an attribute of who he is. And so if you're taking notes this morning, there's just a couple things I want you to write down. Point number one is this. It's the exclusivity of Jesus. The exclusivity of Jesus. 
he says, I am the way. There is no other. It's me. You might say, well, the way to what? What is he talking about? The way to what? Is he talking about heaven here? I mean, it kind of sounds like he might be talking about heaven. Yes, he is talking about heaven here, but it is so much grander and larger than just talking about heaven. He's saying, I am the way to the Father. I am the way to God. I'm the way to his purposes and knowing his will and his way of living and understanding his design for life. Jesus is saying, it's me. All that stuff you're trying to figure out, look to me. Jesus says, if you want to know God, if you want to have a relationship with him, I am the way. If you want to live the fullness of life that I've designed for you, and every single one of us wants that, he said, it only happens through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the exclusivity of Jesus. There isn't another way. There's no other option. I remember seeing a, a video of Oprah a few years ago. How many remember when Oprah was owning afternoon television? You remember that back in the day? Okay, young people, you may not know that. Back in like the, you know, 90s, like half the women in America were watching Oprah in the afternoon. And, uh, and, and Oprah, I remember seeing this clip from like the early 90s. And there was this interaction with a woman on her show because she quoted this exact verse to, to Oprah. She said, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except for me. And Oprah's response is like, you don't really believe that, do you? So that couldn't possibly be the case. You can't, you can't say that Jesus is the only way to God. And that's the sentiment, that's the mindset of our world. That Jesus can't possibly, like, that doesn't even make sense. There's no way that Jesus could be the only way to God, right? That there, there's so many other people. There's so many other people that have good things in their heart, and they, they, they really want to know God, and so they follow God in different ways. And, and in our world, they say, you know what? It doesn't really matter what religion you follow. You can follow Christianity. You can follow, you know, uh, Islam. You can follow Hinduism. You can follow Buddhism. You can follow some New Age philosophy, whatever. There's lots of ways to get in touch with God. Some people would say, well, you just get in touch with spirituality by going into nature, right? Like, just go into nature, spend some time. I've heard people, I don't go to church, I just go, you know, go to the park, and that's how I meet with God. And, and those can be good, but that is not the means to having relationship with God. Some people will just say, just be an, an activist in some noble cause. Just hold on to something. That's a, a level of spirituality, or just try to be a good person in some way. And Jesus is, is simply saying, this isn't the way. Culture gives us many roads to God, but Jesus doesn't give us that option. He just doesn't. We either follow Jesus completely or we might as well just walk away and throw him out altogether. If you don't believe Jesus is the only way, quit coming on a Sunday and wasting your time because you're not actually listening to what Jesus says. If we're gonna say we're following Christ, then we have to trust in what he said. We've gotta believe what he has spoken and he says, listen, there's no other way. It's me. This is the exclusivity of Jesus. He doesn't just say he'll lead us in the way. He claims to be the way in him alone. Now, if you're like me, this, uh, this poses a challenging question that maybe some of you have asked before. And the question is this, what about someone who's never heard of Jesus? You ever thought of that before? You know, what about the person in the remote village somewhere out in the, the forest somewhere, in the, the mountain somewhere, and they've never heard the name of Jesus, right? What about them? Are you saying that they're, they're not going to know God? There's no way that they can have a relationship with God? And the cool part is I can answer that question if you, for you in three simple words. I don't know. 
Now that probably makes some of you uncomfortable, doesn't it? Because <laughs> we like to know everything, don't we? I want to have an answer to everything. Here's a little tip in faith. I don't know is an okay answer sometimes. Because if you're going to wait to follow, follow Jesus until you have every answer to every question, you may never actually choose to follow Jesus. Right? There are challenging things that we have in life. But here's the way I understand this in life, is that, that if I could fully understand the complexities of God Almighty, creator God of all things, if I could fit that into my brain, then I've probably reduced him to below who he really is. Right? There is going to be an element of mystery to a God that is grander than anything that I could understand. Right? What do I know? I know that we have this passage of Scripture. We have the literal words of Jesus saying, no one comes to the Father except through me. We have what the apostles said in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, where it said this, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And I know that we have Jesus' great commission where he went to his disciples and says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So what do we do? What do we do with the people who are like, well, what if they don't know? When it comes to those who haven't heard, we must just trust in the goodness and the justice of God. We trust in the character of God. And at the same time, we allow Jesus' words to inspire us to reach those who desperately need to hear the hope of Christ. Because how many know there's somebody in your life right now that needs the hope of Jesus? They're walking in despair. They do not know the hope of Christ, and they desperately need it. This past week as a staff, we were talking about that prank. God, we need to have our hearts broken again for those in our lives that don't know Jesus. Because he's saying, listen, there's no other way. And there are people that you love deeply that right now they do not know the saving knowledge of Christ. And, and this is why we come back to this place of saying, God, help us break our hearts that we would be those who would reach others with the hope of Christ. He is the way. He is the only way. But it's also the reason why we give generously around here. We give hundreds of thousands of dollars every single year. In four weeks, we're going to be doing our kingdom offering and calling us to give generously. Why? So that people in other parts of the world who have no knowledge of Christ would have the opportunity to hear the name of Jesus. It speaks salvation. And hope. He's the only way. You heard this story. Amber and I heard this story a week and a half ago from, we were uh, at Project 42. Uh, hear, heard from one of our missionaries. Shared a story that just like, oh. as the, uh, the missionary, they, they were going into an area, and this was a tribe that had never heard the gospel before. Language that had never received the gospel before. A group of people who had never re received the gospel before. And the people received it with excitement. They were one of those in their, in their culture was kind of the, the outcast, the forgotten, nobody ever cared about them. And when they heard the message that the God of the universe loves them and cares about them and sent his one and only son for them, it opened, like they were ecstatic about the hope of the gospel. It did something in their hearts. But what broke our hearts when we heard the story was what happened a few moments later, a few days later, when the leader of that tribe came to the missionary and exact words were, what took you so long? Why didn't you come sooner? Because my people didn't know. We didn't know about the hope of Christ. Right? And I just asked the question, who in our life could possibly say the same thing to us? God, would you break our hearts to recognize if you are the way, God, would we be those 
We do everything we can to lead others to Christ, right? So there's number one, the exclusivity of Jesus. But number two, we talk about the authority of Jesus. The authority of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the truth. If you thought culture didn't like the first point, it really doesn't like this point, okay? Culture does not like this reality, all right? I wanna ask you a question, uh, and here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you a question, and I want you to take 20 seconds, and I want you to turn to your neighbor and try and answer this question, okay? The question is this, what is truth? 20 seconds, turn to your neighbor, try and give an answer. See if you can answer that question. All right, all right, all right. I see some of you struggling to try and have an answer. You're just staring at each other like, whatever. How many think, that's a hard word to answer, actually, to give a definition of. In fact, if you read uh, in the dictionary the definitions, even them, the, the definitions feel a little ambiguous. Like, it's like, uh, exactly what, what are you saying there? Because we usually understand truth is the opposite of false and lies, right? It's usually in comparison to some. And this is a principle that we have to understand, and it's this. It's that truth requires a standard. Truth requires a standard. In order to have truth, there must be a standard to measure against so that you understand what is truth and what is false, all right? And here's what we have to understand as followers of of Christ is that culture has spent generations trying to eliminate any external standard of truth. Our culture tried to eliminate any of it, and that's why, uh, you know, when we think about it, uh, this is why my least favorite phrase is so prevalent in our culture. I've said this before. My least favorite phrase, my truth, right? (laughs) I've got my truth. This is my truth. Why can that even be a phrase in our culture? It's because when you've eliminated truth, when there is no standard for truth, truth gets to be whatever you want it to be. So you get to have your truth, and you get to have your truth, and everybody gets to have their truth. Why? Because there is no truth. Truth is in the eye of the beholder. It's whatever I want it to be. It's whatever I decide that it's going to be. Why do we live in a culture with so many people living in a fog of confusion? It's because there is no firm ground to stand on when there is no standard for truth. When truth has been thrown out, everybody's meandering around, bumping into one another because they don't know what's true. There's no way to measure that anymore. In our country, one of the biggest areas of confusion comes in the form of gender confusion. And my heart breaks, breaks for young people who've been told that the only standard for truth is their feelings. And as a result, have made life-altering and destructive decisions with their bodies, unaware that the God of the universe loves them and created them and formed them in his image and formed them with purpose for their life. The enemy of our soul is sowing confusion and chaos into our world for one reason and one reason alone. Why? Because he desires to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants. He eliminates truth so that we live in chaos, and the result is death. And it's into this confusion and chaos that Jesus makes this claim, I am the truth. I am the standard. 
I am the authority in all things. In every circumstance, you want to know what it is? It's me, right? Jesus doesn't say he will lead us to truth. He says he is the truth. He is the standard. His word is the standard. We measure everything against him. We measure everything against his word. That's the proclamation he makes. And this is the word that our culture does not want to submit to, right? Our culture does not want that. No, it's whatever I want, my truth, my truth, my truth. And he's saying, no, I am the truth. And here's what his word also says. He says, you'll know the truth, and guess what? The truth will set you free. His truth isn't a condemning truth. It's a truth of freedom that breathes life for us. The only question that every single one of us has to answer is, how will we respond to the authority of Jesus? How will we respond? Will we submit to his authority? Will we submit to him as the truth? Or will we rebel and do our own thing? And it's not just in some areas, because it's really, I say, well, yes, I submit to Jesus in the big stuff. Okay, but in the little stuff, I get to do whatever I want to. And like, no, if we submit to him as the authority, he's the authority in all things. We don't get to cherry pick the issues that we like. We get to say, Christ, in all things, I submit to your authority. But he doesn't force us. He invites us, but he does not force us to do anything. It's a choice that every one of us gets to make. And so if we follow the way of Jesus and we submit to his authority as the truth, then we get to the final revelation that Jesus gives us in this statement where he says this. It's the promise of Jesus. He says, I am the life. And what's that word, life? I am the Zoe. He's like, I'm not just gonna lead you to Zoe. Literally, I am the Zoe. We all want to experience fullness. How many wanna live a good life, right? You wanna have a great life. You wanna experience a fullness of life, completeness of life. Every single one of us wants it. That's why we search it out in all kinds of ways. We search it out in relationships. We search it out in our careers. We search it out in successes and accomplishments and things. We buy the new shoes and the new clothes and the house and the car. We buy all the stuff. We go on the vacations. We try to have all these experiences, right? We do all these things to try and experience life. I just want to experience all the life that is available. And Jesus is saying, listen, I created you for that. And I'm actually the only one that can give that to you. (laughs) It's found not in some other way. It's found only in me. And when you follow me, it's not a life that's just temporary. It's actually a life that's eternal. Because a lot of us, we're chasing after the stuff here. And it'll give you a little hit for a moment, right? It'll make you feel good for a moment. But it does not satisfy your soul. It was never intended to do that. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 8. He said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world? What good is it for you to go after all the stuff that feels good in the moment, that satisfies you for the moment? What good is it to do that yet forfeit their soul? Like to go after the stuff that's only gonna fill you now and not do the thing that satisfies you for all of eternity. He's saying that's just a foolish investment. That's just stupid. You can do it. That's your choice. You have every option to do that. It's just not a really good decision for the long haul. We ignore Jesus as the way and rebel against his authority. Scripture says this, the result is death. We know this, Romans chapter six, verse 
23 where it says this, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of going our own way, deciding to do things our own way and not seeking after Christ, it's death. But the gift of God is eternal zoe, life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so I want to get to our big so what this morning. Uh, we always say so what, what's the point of this thing? And the so what this morning uh, is a statement that uh, I hope that some of you will hold on to. Students, I hope you hold on to this the rest of your life. And it's this, Jesus came as a life jacket, not a straitjacket. Jesus came as a life jacket, not a straitjacket. You know what a straitjacket is, right? I've got a picture of a straitjacket here. Some of you are claustrophobic. My wife's thoroughly claustrophobic. If she got put in one of these things, she would lose her marbles, okay? Right? But you, you put a straitjacket. What what's the purpose of a straitjacket? It's to hold you in, to prevent you from moving, to hold you tight. And a lot of people, when they hear the statement that Jesus is the way, the exclusivity of Jesus, it feels like a straitjacket. Oh, there's got to be another way. No. When they, when they see the straitjacket here, it makes them think of like, oh, man, the authority of Jesus. I have to submit to him. I mean, it's like a straitjacket to my, just trying to prevent me from doing all the things that I really want to do. That's how we can view faith. And some of you are like, well, I'm past that, Greg. No, but in life, there's still moments where we can act this way because we know the call of Christ and yet we want to wiggle out free and say, no, I want to do things my own way for a second. That feels like a straitjacket to me. I don't want to follow that way. I want to do it my way. But Jesus didn't come as a straitjacket. He came as a life jacket. I just want you to imagine something for a second. Right? Imagine for a moment that I took you uh, to a lake. It's too big for you to swim across. And I drop you in the lake. And I toss a life jacket next to you. See, in that moment, you might say to yourself, well, I want to do this my own way. I'm going to swim to the edge on my own. Yeah, you can do that. You're not going to make it. That's not going to end well. You might say, well, I don't want to put the, I don't want to put the life jacket on. It's impeding my life. It gets in the way sometimes. I can't do everything I want to do. That might be the case. And guess what? You don't have to put the life jacket on if you don't want to. You can just leave it. That's fine. You can do things your own way. That's totally your right. Guess what? You have every option to do that. You're just probably not going to like where that ends up in your life. But the other option is you could put the life jacket on so you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do things the way that you're recommending here. You could submit to the life jacket, and guess what? Th there might be some moves that you like. I'm not going to do that because it, it, I can't do that with this. But guess what? If I'm willing to submit to the life jacket, guess what happens? I get to live. And see, this is what faith in Christ is. He came to be this in your life. Listen, you don't have to follow Christ. You don't. And there's a lot of people, you know, Christians in our culture sometimes that try to list pound, you know, sinners and say, hey, you're evil, you're bad, you can't do this, those are wrong. Guess what? God gave them the freedom to decide for themselves what they want to do. I'm not going to pound at any, anybody. Say, listen, if you want to live that way, if you want to choose to value those things, if you want to choose to pursue those things, God has given you every freedom to do that. That's your choice. You just might not like where that ends up. But if you're willing to follow Jesus, 
as the way. And if you're willing to submit to his authority as the truth in all things, he'll give you life and life everlasting. But it comes down to how will you respond to Jesus? There's some of you here this morning, if you're honest, you've never submitted to Christ that way. You've never given your life to Christ. And, and you know that if, if your life were to end today, you would not be in a place where you're submitted to Jesus. You're not confident that, that you've surrendered in such a way that, that you would experience life and life eternal. And I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond to him in a moment. But there's others of you here this morning, you would say, I'm a follower of Jesus. When it comes to Jesus as the truth, who gets to call the shots in every way, there's still some areas in your life where you're living in rebellion to who he says you should be, to what he has called you to, to the righteousness and the holiness that he's invited you into. I don't know what that is in your life, but our, our call is to say, God, would we be those who are surrendered to you completely? Right? I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond in a moment. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes across the room. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord. We thank you for your truth. God, we don't always want to hear what you got to say. I don't always want to hear what you got to say, Lord. But in submission, God, I lay myself before you. You are the authority in all things. And I choose to trust in you, Jesus. With every head bow and every eye closed across the room, it's possible you're here this morning and you would say, you know what, I've never put the life vest on. I've never received Christ and surrendered to him, submitted to his authority. I, I, I have no confidence in my eternity at all. And this morning you're in a place where you say, you know what, I want to have that confidence. I want to be able to say, yes, Jesus, I've submitted to you and I'm yours. And I want to receive the gift of eternal life that is only found in Christ. If that's you this morning and you want to respond to him with every head bow and every eye closed, would you just lift a hand across the room and say, yeah, that's me. I want to have confidence in salvation this morning. I want to receive Christ today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. 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 I don't want to rush through this. If there's others that want to respond, I want to give you space to be able to do that. If you're with us online, you can respond where you're at. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to invite you all to pray out loud this prayer. Dear Jesus, Thank you so much for loving me. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for making a way for me. I admit that I am a sinner and I admit that I need a savior. And I acknowledge Jesus as Lord. And I ask that he would forgive me. And I help me to live for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. God, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray you continue to draw hearts to yourself, Lord Jesus. Thank you. With heads still bowed and eyes closed, I just want to just give you a moment, a response on your own before the Lord. Because every single one of us has areas in our lives. Maybe it's an area of morality. Maybe it's an area of sexuality. Maybe it's an area of our behavior in some way, maybe it's an area of our ethics, in our relationships, where we know that Christ calls us to one thing, but we kind of just said, I'm going to kind of do things. My, I don't want to forgive that person because I don't, I don't like them and I'm mad at them and I don't want to forgive them even though Jesus said forgive. You know, we've got those people in our life that we don't want to love and yet Christ has called us to love. 
So for a moment, I would just invite you to say, Holy Spirit, would you help me? You know, maybe the Holy Spirit's gonna enlighten you to an area. Maybe you need to have a moment of confession and repentance before him right now. But I'm just gonna give you 30 seconds to respond to Christ. Say, Christ, you are the truth and we wanna submit to your authority. Would you do that on your own right now? Father, I pray over every single one of us today. God, I pray that you would help us in all that we do to honor you, to glorify you, Lord. Lord, I admit, God, there's areas in my life where I don't want to listen to what you have to say. God, I want to just do it my own way. Lord, I pray more and more that we, the trajectory of our life would be one of submission to your authority. God, we're never going to do it perfectly. We're never going to follow perfectly. But God, we choose to trust that you know the way to life. God, that you are gonna be the one who leads us into life. And so God, we submit to your ways in all things. When it doesn't make sense, God, give us the courage to still choose to listen to you, Lord, we pray. And I pray this week, God, that our lives would, would be those that are surrendered to you in all things, God. When those moments come up, we'll be quick to repent. Would we be quick to surrender? Would we be quick to submit to you, Lord? For your glory, we pray. Pray that in Jesus' name, amen, amen. For those who made a decision to follow Jesus, I'm gonna have the QR code go up on the screen here. Uh, it's gonna stay up now and it's gonna come up a little bit later here. Um, and so I invite you just to scan that QR code and uh, let us know. We wanna come alongside you in the journey of faith. Uh, it's never meant to be lived out alone. We wanna help you on that journey, all right?